Good evening. It's 11.30, and this is Quietly Yours. listening to Quietly Yours, but you already knew that. What you might not know is that tonight's episode is part of a special series called Campfire Tales, which explores folklore and urban legends by placing us right in the middle of a campfire gathering, which is usually the warmest part. Our four friends are going to tell us five stories across five nights, with some listener submissions thrown in for good luck. Yes, that means you're getting five episodes of Quietly Yours this week, but if you're one of our supporters on Patreon, the whole thing is already available for you to listen to right now. This version of Campfire Tales also includes exclusive bonus stories that you can't hear in the standard version. So if you're not yet a supporter, but you want to get your hands on those exclusives, as well as our usual goodies for patrons, you can sign up at patreon.com quietlyyours. But enough of that, let's see what our campers are up to. I don't think it's going to work. Shut up, I've almost got it. Look, we've got the little gas burner if you're that bothered about a fire. Uh, no, it's not the same. If you say so. Uh, there, I think I've got it. Oh, hang on, oh, please don't go out. Oh no, oh, no, I think we're good. There you go, a proper old-fashioned campfire. Better than a gas burner, isn't it? I don't know, I feel like we're about to inadvertently start a forest fire. Shut up, we're camping. A campfire's kind of compulsory. It's nice. All we need now is the marshmallows. And the ghost stories. Uh, no thanks. Aw, scared. No, I just think they're all terrible. A friend of a friend did this, a friend of a friend did that. Oh, you're such a buzzkill. I'm just saying. Well, I've got a ghost story for you, and it's a good one. But if you don't want to hear it... Alright, fine, go on. So it's about an elderly couple who lived out a pretty simple life out on Rannoch Moor in Scotland. They had their own little house, lived off the land and kept to themselves, you know. They loved it up there. Peaceful, quiet, and the kind of life where they're surrounded by nature. But by night, the moors could get a bit creepy. You can imagine out in the middle of nowhere, and our story takes place in November, when the nights grew long and a particularly bad fog drifted in. That was when the man, David, started seeing an animal skulking around the moors, around their home, a black shape he would occasionally spot moving through the thick mist. Sometimes nothing but a pair of red eyes that seemed to glow like two burning coals in the fog. His wife, Mary, was terrified when she heard. He thought her reaction was over the top, but she swore the creature was the spectre of the grim, an omen of death that would bring them bad luck. 
David thought she was being ridiculous, but she'd always been quite superstitious, so I guess he was used to it. But one day he was in the truck on the way back from their closest town, and a horrendous storm had hit. The sun had already set, and the sky was getting darker, quicker than usual, because of a thick blanket of cloud and heavy rain pounded the moors. And as he approached their property, David stopped when he saw something black in the middle of the road, although he couldn't tell exactly what it was. He got out of the car and braved the rain, and when he got close enough, he found a large black dog lying in the middle of the dirt road, panting heavily despite the cold and the rain. It looked to be wounded. The rain was washing away a small stream of blood. It didn't look too bad though, nothing the animal couldn't recover from. So David hurried back to the truck, dug through the back for an old blanket that was in there somewhere, and when he found it, he wrapped the dog up, carried it to the car, and placed it on the back seat. As soon as they reached the house, he took the dog into the garage and placed it on his large old work table where he dried him off and took a closer look at the wound. He couldn't tell what had caused it, but it certainly wasn't bad. As long as it was kept clean and infection-free, the dog would be fine. He went into the house for supplies, which caught the attention of Mary, of course, who followed him back to the garage. She just left her body when she laid eyes on the large black creature. A bad omen, she said. A sign of death. A demonic creature that would bring nothing but misfortune on them both. He ignored her, obviously. He wasn't going to let the dog back into the wild where it might get an infection and might not be strong enough to survive. He gave the dog a bed. Well, not an actual bed, but you know what I mean. He took it in. Look, He looked after it, and he nursed it back to health. Mary hated this. The whole time she would place blame on the dog for stupid little things. A blown light bulb, a loose door hinge, anything that went wrong around the house, she would find a way to blame it on the dog. It started to get on David's nerves and they started arguing all the time. This dog seemed to bring all of their repressed marital issues bubbling to the surface. But they tried to just keep ignoring it, keep pushing it away. And then, one morning, David woke to the dog barking. The bed was empty, aside from him and the dog seemed agitated or worried somehow. It barked at him and rushed out of the room. David followed the dog, which led him downstairs and right out of the house. The dog led him towards a rocky patch of land behind the house finally stopping by a collection of large rocks. David caught up to find Mary lying on the damp grass, cradling her ankle. She'd been out for a walk and she'd fallen, twisting the ankle. David helped her up and helped her back to the house. He thought this incident might help ease the tension a bit, but Mary could still surprise him. David was away the next day, selling some of their vegetables at the market in a town half an hour's drive away. He came back at the end of the day to find Mary in the living room, happily sewing up the snag she'd caused in her trousers when she'd fell. 
she seemed calmer than David had seen her in a while, so he thought maybe this would be the right time to bring up a touchy subject. Good job we had the dog, he said, or I never would have found you. If we never had the dog, she said, I never would have fallen. David could feel himself getting angry. How could she still be placing blame on the dog's shoulders? That animal might well have saved her life, and she still finds a way to make it out to be some kind of monster. She was becoming unhinged and it was driving him crazy. David put his foot down. I'm not getting rid of the dog. It's too late, she said. I had the dog put to sleep this afternoon. David lost it. He started screaming at her, and she started screaming back. They were yelling horrible things at each other off the top of their lungs. She slapped him. He hit her. She pushed him, and he pushed back. It must have been a freak thing, the way her head hit the corner of the table or something. She died instantly. And David, to his surprise, felt nothing but relief. He retrieved the dirty old blanket from the garage, still covered in old fur mottled with dried blood, and he rolled up Mary's body into it. He carried her to the car, put her inside, and drove to a remote part of the moors. He knew this place like the back of his hand, and he knew places where nobody would ever look. It took three hours to bury her, but finally the job was done. He loaded the shovel back into the car and was about to climb inside when he heard an odd noise, a strange, high-pitched whine. He followed the sound and found its source hiding behind a large rock. A tiny black puppy, scared and cold. David picked it up, wrapped his jacket around it to keep it warm, and headed home. This listener story comes from Megan in Minnesota, who wrote in to tell us about the hairy man of Vergus Trails, a creepy camp story about a Sasquatch-like creature who stalks the dark woods near Shikari Hill. Here's what Megan has to say. It's said you should never go to the bathroom alone at night. Always take a buddy with you, whether you're going to the tiny outhouse near the cabins or taking a long walk down the hill to the nearest building with indoor plumbing. Sure, there are people nearby, scattered around, but when Shikari Hill gets dark and the night animals come out and you have only a little flashlight to reveal where you're walking, well, anything can happen when you're responding to nature's call. Rumor has it a girl went missing 20 or 30 years ago. Supposedly, she went to the bathroom without a buddy and never returned. After searching for days and weeks, her bones were found deposited near Lake Seven, a couple of miles away from the camp. People claimed it was a lean year for the hairy man of Vergus Trails. He must have been hungry. The date changes all the time with each retelling, and during the day it's easy to shrug it off. Just a legend. But when you wake up in the middle of the night with the urge to pee and leave your bed to take care of business, well, suddenly it becomes much more possible with each second you're outside of the safe confines of the little cabin that maybe something might snatch you away. Most of the time, you quickly dash to finish your business and hurry back to bed without incident. 
you fall asleep after slowing your rapid heartbeat. You didn't see it, but who can say if it saw you? You don't know if taking a buddy actually helps to deter the hairy man if he's hungry, or if it's just a precaution. Someone's get help before you're nothing but bones by a lake, or someone you can outrun to safety. Girls have claimed that they've seen it, the hairy man of Vergus Trails. Seven or maybe eight feet tall, it's hard to tell exactly when you're in middle school and terrified out of your mind. So close to the edge of the wilderness that you catch the smell on the wind sometimes. Musky in a way that pierces through the slightly sweet scents of rot from the felled trees. Then you hear a branch snap. But there's tons of chipmunks and squirrels around, rooting for candy dropped around the cabin. Must be one of them, right? Or the family of raccoons that live nearby. Yeah, those must have the eye reflecting in the light of your little flashlight so close to the ground. There's the whine of a mosquito. Wait, you think, did that tree just move? Or was it a trick of the light? Your friend, in a shaky voice, asks you if you saw it too. You try to be brave and insist that it was the shifting light of the flashlight. Your friend whispers, hurry. As you wrap up your outhouse visit, you walk as fast as you can to your cabin and suddenly, up along the trail, you see him. Your friend sees him too. You're both frozen in terror. You hastily turn off the flashlight, hoping he didn't notice. Your heart is pounding so hard and your friend sounds like she's covered her mouth to try to keep from screaming. You've forgotten how to breathe entirely. The tall, hairy man stops. You swear he looks right at both of you, but it's so hard to tell. The sky is clouded over, and there's no moon or starlight to illuminate the figure. After what feels like hours, the figure seems to move quietly away, off the trail. You clutch your friend and breathe sighs of relief. She whispers, we should go. You flick on the flashlight as both of you run as fast as you can, back to bed. Safe, you think, and tremble. You wake and it all seems like a dream as you tell your cabin mates how you both saw the hairy man of Virgus Trail and lived to tell the tale. Well, that's all for tonight's episode, but we'll pick up where we left off tomorrow when Campfire Tales returns for another episode. If you want to let us know what you think of this mini-series so far, please do. You can get in touch with us via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr. Our handle everywhere is quietlypodcast. You can also email us at quietlyyours at daffodillies.co.uk, and as always, you'll find our website at daffodillies.co.uk slash quietly yours. Don't forget that the full version of this episode is available on Patreon and includes stories that you can't hear anywhere else. To get your hands on those bonuses, head to patreon.com slash quietly yours. So, until tomorrow, I am quietly yours, and you are quietly mine.